0: Welcome back to the MLB.com StatCast podcast. I'm your host, Mike Petriello, joined here by MLB.com National Editor Matt Myers. We're going to talk about the 10 most improved pitchers in baseball. Last week, we talked about hitters, this week, pitchers. We're going to talk about Jordan Hicks, who is actually good. I know we talked about him before, and he wasn't good, and now he seems like he's good. A couple of hitters who are just not really living up to what the underlying stats say. And then Matt is very excited to talk about Max Muncy, as are we all. We're going to start with 10 most improved pitchers a little bit of background on how we do this. Uh, We're using expected weighted on base. You could look at ERA. You could look at strikeouts. Don't ever look at wins. We like expected weighted on base because it accounts for quality of contact. It accounts for amount of contact and walks, and it tries to strip out the effects of ballpark and defense, which we all know are very important. So the way I did this is I looked at all the pitchers who faced at least 200 hitters last year and then at least 150 hitters this year. 131 pitchers qualify, and we have a list of the top 10 most improved pitchers and what I really find fascinating about this list, like, some of these guys were terrible last year, and they've improved to, you know, okay this year. Some of them were, you know, fine, and they improved to very good. Number one on this list is really unfair, because Justin Verlander was fantastic last year, and he's even better this year. It's just, it doesn't feel like it's right for him to be even better now than he was. Well, I mean, it's,
1: he, he also started to get good. Like I mean, he he had a weird year last year. Like some like because you're kind of counting
0: what happened in Detroit, which was sort of like a different thing than what happened. He was still good in Detroit. I think people think he went to Houston and got good, but he was he was improving. I think before he left Detroit, and then got ridiculously good. I guess is the way you'd put it down the stretch.
1: Yeah, I mean it's it's, but I mean the way the the, the transformation we've talked about a couple of times before on the show is just I mean it's it's stunning. Like the pitcher that he now is, he's now basically prime Justin Verlander. And I'll note that last year. After he got to the Astros, his expected weight on base, was, including postseason, was 257 against. So he basically was, since he got to the Astros last year, he's basically been the pitcher you're seeing this year.
0: We're giving him an 88-point improvement. Last year, 317. League average is 331, right? So he was already above average last year. Now he's down to 229. He is uh, the—I think this morning on the site we put out our Cy Young predictions, right? And he was— by far the uh, unanimous, unanimous
1: our, our, our 30-something voters all voted him number one in the AL. Right,
0: and it's if you look at the AL, there's so many good pitchers. There's a ridiculous amount of good starting pitchers, and he's number one. He's
1: basically sealing his Hall of Fame. If there was any doubt, this season is yeah. sealing his
0: Hall of Fame I, I agree with you on that completely. I don't care how many wins he's going to get. It doesn't matter. He's a Hall of Famer. Also on this list, uh, his teammate Garrett Cole, who everyone's talked about a bunch of times. Uh, I think we probably made a little bit too much of, oh, he's throwing more sliders and curveballs and not throwing crappy sinkers, but it's certainly part of that. I think. Um, so You know, he's been a big part of the, uh, of Houston's pitching success. A couple of these names on this list have one thing in common, and that's that they went from starters to relievers. So in some sense, I guess that's a little unfair because Verlander's not doing that. There's two Mets on this list. We've talked about these guys before. You may have heard on this show, Seth Lugo. <laughs> Seth Lugo was kind of like the spin rate guy, but now he's a legitimately good pitcher. I, he's improved beyond this like sideshow thing he had going on.
1: True, but he's also throwing his curveball a lot more. Right. so it is
0: it is i mean he's kind of he is leaning into the spin rate thing to a certain degree <laughs> i'd looked this up earlier he threw where did i have it here last year he threw 17 percent curveballs this year he's thrown 31 percent curveballs that is the second biggest curveball increase uh lucas sims plus 17 percent jeremy Hellickson is tied with them
1: 70 talk about percentage points yes In percentage points
0: to 31 percent he's throwing it more only one guy has thrown a larger increase of curveballs uh and then also you know Lugo and Gaselman, I think, are both playing the exact tune that starters to relievers do. Did they have more velocity? Yes. Lugo has added two and a half miles an hour on his fastball, uh, more than anybody else except for Amir Garrett, who is also a reliever conversion. Uh, Gaselman's up from eight to four, and they changed their, pick, their pitches. As you said, more curveballs for Lugo. For Gaselman, he's basically dropped the four-seamer entirely in favor of this moving two-seamer. I know Lugo's going to go back in the rotation now because he's looked very good. I mean, they are legitimately good pitchers. Yeah,
1: and the thing about Lugo, though, is he actually has – I mean, Kazelman is probably better in the bullpen because he's kind of a straight two-pitch guy. Lugo has more variety of pitches and has succeeded in a couple of spot starts. What's been interesting is that since they've been spot starts, they've basically been like 70-pitch outings. So he hasn't been asked to really turn over a lineup a third time. He's basically doing like an extended, an extended relief outing as a starter, kind of more of the the model we saw from the Astros in the in the, in the which, postseason. Just which fine. Yeah, I don't know if that'll continue, but you know, even though he's starting, he's still kind of being treated like a long reliever.
0: To me, the most obvious name on this list, and we'll have an article up on this uh, on the site tomorrow. Ross Stripling, I think he's the one that was so clear to me because he's been unbelievable for the Dodgers. He's had eight starts uh, for the Dodgers this year, but really seven since he's gone in the rotation full-time. In those seven starts, listen to these numbers. 40 and two-thirds innings, a 133 ERA, and a 53-4 to strikeout-to-walk ratio. That is, of course, ludicrous uh, of 148 starters who have allowed 100 balls in play. He has a 21.6% hard hit rate. That is the lowest. So he's got a 53-4 to strikeout-to-walk, and nobody can hit the ball hard off of him. That is a pretty good recipe for success, uh, if I've ever heard one, using his curveball a little more each month. Uh, there's a couple of young Braves on this, wrist, on this list. I liked writing about them, because I didn't actually have to say their names that loud, but now I'm going to try to say Mike fulton name properly, which Nicely I'm pretty done. sure I did. Uh, and Sean, he'll be, he'll be, we'll call him Faulty from here on in. All right. And Sean Newcomb uh, on this list. Both uh, both trade acquisitions a couple years ago when the Braves tore it down. They got Sean Newcomb for Andrew Elton Simmons, which and Dalton Simmons is awesome, so I'm still not sure that's actually a great deal. And Fultonavich in uh, the Evan, Ga- Evan Gattis deal, which was unpopular because Gattis had become sort of a folk hero for the Braves. Well, the then game.
1: they subsequently fleeced the D-backs for NCRT and Swanson, so maybe like the... the, the, the sum separate the, deal. The, but the sum of it was they, they got rid of a shortstop who was on a big long-term contract, yes. and then subsequently traded and got an elite outfielder, and a shortstop who was actually looking pretty good in Swanson. So in the grand scheme of things, of transactions... It's probably worked out we, well for the Braves. We,
0: I don't want to sidetrack us too much. We could do an entire show based on that teardown. But what I, I find fascinating about those trades is they got uh, Mike Soroka, who we just watched pitch today against the Mets, who's looked fantastic, and Austin Riley, prospect third baseman, both uh, either as compensation picks or as as throw-in compensation picks via trade in that teardown. They got one because Irvin Santana didn't sign, and they got one in the, I believe, Ke- Craig Kimbrell trade uh, from San Diego, which is, you know, you don't think about those at the time, but these are really paying off Yeah. Anyway, back to this list. Those two are both on our top 10 most improved list. A couple of names at the top that I found pretty surprising. Tyler Glasnow and Vince Velasquez. Tyler, Tyler Glasnow, I think also pretty clearly a starter to a reliever conversion. This is why I like using expected weighted on base. Tyler Glasnow has a 4.89 ERA. You wouldn't actually think he's doing well. Part of that is because he wasn't good last year, so the bar wasn't exactly set high, but obviously he's throwing much harder. Uh he's he's throwing a new slider which is a big deal and then there's a couple of guys on the list who are very clear health reasons Vince alasquez uh you remember it got reported his season ended with like a finger issue last year and then later on he came out and said no it was actually thoracic outlet syndrome it's like oh that escalated quickly uh, he told local media this year he he feels healthier than he has in five years which seems like a big deal also Tyson Ross had a couple of lost years due to surgery and has now been a, a you know, not a star, but a league average was, or so pitcher. He was a thoracic uh yes, he was. guy yeah. as well. Uh and I guess Tyson Ross might be one of the best pitchers available, starting pitchers available if the Padres choose to move him uh this upcoming summer.
1: Yeah, I think that's I mean, it's hard to imagine he will have that much trade value considering his uh hist- his long sure. history of injuries, but, but he's who's, interesting. Who's out there? yeah, like. It's there's there there's there's not much I mean the flip side of that too is like there's also the I guess, you know, the Yankees would be a contender looking for a starter. Um, the Astros probably shouldn't be giving up much of value. They don't, they're they not really in the market for starters.
0: No. The Yankees, I guess. The Mariners and Brewers would be the, the teams. Brewers, absolutely. The Nationals, I feel like, could probably use another starter because uh, Strasburg's hurt again. They never really had a fifth starter. Dodgers, who knows who's going to start for them <laughs> at any given time. That's true. I mean, other than the uh, maybe Cleveland and Houston, I'm not sure. Like Pretty much every other team could use a starting pitcher. That's fair. So that is our uh, list of most improved pitchers for the year. Make sure to check it out on the site i'm really excited to talk about jordan hicks jordan hicks i think we probably talked about earlier this year because he came up uh and started throwing absolute flames right and then a couple weeks ago he threw 105 miles an hour and you know he, he's just like we have this our chapman filter on the site and i think we need to rename it the jordan hicks filter because the, the velocity readings are so nuts 38 pitches in the major leagues have been thrown 102 miles an hour or more this year hicks has 25 of them Chapman has the other 13.
1: But it wasn't just that he came up. Like, it's like in this day and age, it's rare for a prospect like that to come up with basically no hype. Because he, he was in A-ball last year.
0: You know what? I, I didn't realize until I was doing research on this. I, I found a, a Joe Trezza article, our Cardinals.com beat writer. He was the first cut in camp this year. He was in camp for, like, a week, and they cut him and sent him back to Monterey camp. And then, like, Wainwright got hurt, and Gregerson got hurt, and he, he miraculously made the opening day roster. That that in itself is a story to
1: me. So for someone, like, in this day and age, for someone to emerge, essentially, on opening day roster, it's like, oh, this guy throws 102, and I've never heard of him. Right. It's like, that doesn't happen anymore. Like, you know, like 25 years ago, before the internet, like, when prospects—you'd have, like, a vague idea of a prospect because, you know— your local reporter happened to do a story because the farm director was like, Hey, like this guy's coming up soon. You know, you should write about him. Like nowadays we cover prospects so well that guys like this usually just don't like flip under the radar. And I guess part of the reason he did was because he threw 102, but like he didn't, his numbers in the minors weren't great. Like last year across, you know, a couple of levels, he had a, 3-2-1 3 two, one ERA with less than a strikeout per inning in A-ball. And he was throwing 100, so it's kind of like, okay, well, what's the deal
0: here? Yeah, and when we first saw him, I think we figured that part out pretty quickly. He throws a sinker. It's got a lot of uh, drop and movement. He's not this guy who's throwing 100 miles an hour, uh, four seams up in the zone to get a lot of swinging strikes. He's going to get a lot of ground balls. And we thought, okay, cool, maybe he's like a Zach Britton type, even though Zach Britton does also get strikeouts. And we talked about the velocity a lot because, like I said, he had 105. Uh, His first pitch in the big leagues, I think, was like 101.3. And we kept focusing on the velocity, and it sort of obscured the fact that he wasn't actually a good pitcher. (laughs) If you look at the numbers, uh, pretty terrible. If you split his season, and this is the way I did it, I took his first two-thirds through May 21, and then I split it into his most recent third. So it's about 20 games and then 10 games. So the first two-thirds of his season, 22 innings pitched, nine strikeouts to 16 walks, a 9.5% K rate. That is the second lowest. There were 244 pitchers who had 20 innings by May 21st. He had the second lowest strikeout rate. The guy throws 105. He's literally not missing bats. Uh, that 9.5% strikeout rate was tied with Chris Tillman, who had like a 10 ERA, and Brian Mitchell, who had like a 7 ERA. It was behind only Alex Claudio, who legitimately tops out at 86 miles an hour. It's almost it, it's impossible to throw that hard and not miss enough bats. Uh, he had a 205 ERA. Maybe the most misleading number I think I've ever seen a 488 FIP and a 354 expected weighted on base, which comes out in the wash to something like a 550 ERA. It's unbelievable that he had a 205 ERA. Now, to be fair, he gets a lot of ground balls, he's not giving up home runs, he's allowed one barrel all season long, and it was an out, so he's got that in his favor since May 22. So, his 10 most recent games 13 innings, 19 strikeouts, only three walks. He struck out 40.4 percent of the hitters he's faced. That is now third. Third best, excuse me, fourth best of 189 pitchers. Justin Wilson is number one. My and man. haven't talked about Justin <laughs> Wilson in a long time. Uh, Dylan Patances, Brad Hand, a 2A ERA. Now, I believe that, a .087 FIP and a two eighteen expected weighted on base. That is tied for 14th of 301 pitchers. That is a remarkable turnaround. That is unbelievable. I guess, you know, in his
1: defense, he was pitching an A-ball last year and is only 21 years old. So you know, maybe taking some time to kind of figure things out at the major league level was to be expected.
0: And you could argue that he's figured them out pretty, pretty quickly. Yeah. And so the, the next question is clearly, okay, well, what changed? And it's not actually pitch usage. He's still, you know, 75% sinker, 25% slider. That hasn't really changed all that much. Slider is coming in a little harder, uh, 83 in April. 86 in May, 87 in June. So that's something. But it's really about what he's doing with the slider. He's simply not throwing the slider uh, in the heart of the zone anymore. If you look at his percentage of sliders in the zone, 45% in April, 55% in May, 31% in June. And I really like this. It's out of the zone, but it's not, you know, bouncing in the there. It's on the edges of the zone. So we have a, a way to quantify the edge of the zone. Think about it basically as the width of one baseball all around the strike zone. His slider was hitting that edge... of the time in April, 28 in May, 42% in June. So that's good. Those are sliders you want to swing at, and hitters are. He got a 13% chase rate in April, 33 in May, 54% in June. These are very clear trends. Fastball still hard, but here comes a slider that's actually something you might want to swing at. Suddenly you have something else to think about. You can't just sit on this hard fastball. It's a pretty effective way to pitch. Yeah, I mean, you've seen, like, uh, I've seen, like, the... um... The
1: gifts that the pitching ninja does, where he'll take a pitcher and he'll overlay two of his pitches on top of each other to sort of show you how pitches diverge. And like a perfect example, he's done this sort of a pitcher with a similar repertoire. Um, I haven't seen him do this for Hicks, but he's done it for Blake Trinan, where you see like a hard slider. The witch, that's what and, he calls it. Yeah. Them. A hard slider and a sinker. These two pitches that come in, you know, and like for 40 feet, they look like the same pitch and then they go in opposite directions, one like 10 miles an hour slower than the other one. And when guys like Hicks do it, like – and Hicks and Trinan who have sort of similar repertoires, you watch that and it's like, how does anyone ever hit these guys? It's, in- it's insane. It's mesmerizing to watch these gifts where
0: the ball is basically like – it's on one plane and then it just like splits in
1: two different directions.
0: This has been my kick lately. Anytime someone complains about, well, in my day, we didn't have launch angle and there weren't any strikeouts. I'm like, no, look at these guys. Look at how amazing these pitchers are. I don't know how anyone makes contact with any pitch ever there's so many pitchers out there like that who are good. So now he's striking out hitters at an elite rate, and he's still getting a ton of ground balls. Like I said, he's got one barrel allowed, and that was back on April 7th. He got a flyout from Daniel Descalso, has not allowed a barrel since, if you're new to the show, a barrel is the perfect combination of exit velocity and launch angle. He right now has a 59% ground ball rate. That is top 10 of over 200 pitchers with 30 innings. And I found this little uh, fun fact how did the Cardinals acquire him? He was actually a compensation pick a couple years ago because they had failed to sign their previous year's third-round pick, a man who I'd literally never heard of, Trevor McGill, uh, who ended up going to the Padres. He now has a 34-to-three strikeout ratio of his own, although he's not in our MLB pipeline top 30. I think the Cardinals will take that. Jordan Hicks is now not an oddity; he's like a legitimate part of a, uh, you know, I guess inconsistent St. Louis bullpen. But him and Bud Norris it's a pretty good place to start. Now it's time for a segment we like to call Making the Complex Simple, presented by Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. Today's topic is, what is Gary Sanchez's deal? And I'm really, I was really proud of myself. I generated a leaderboard where the top two names were Gary Sanchez, 2018, and Roger Maris, 1961. This is obviously, you know, kind of a red herring here. It's not going to turn out to be that great for him, but I thought it was pretty fun that this is something. This is an amazing piece of trivia. So, Gary Sanchez, uh, as you almost certainly know, has really struggled of late, he sat out the last couple of days. He has a 197 batting average on balls in play. That's the second lowest in baseball this year. Only Dexter Fowler, who is a story unto himself, has lower. 197 batting average on balls in play is the second lowest by a Yankee in the last century, ahead of only Roger Maris, 1961, the year he hit 61 home runs. He had a 209 batting average on balls in play. Extremely important to note home runs are not balls in play. They are not in play at all. This is everything else. So, take that with a grain of salt. Anyway, what is Gary Sanchez's deal? He's hitting 190, a 291 on base, a 430 slugging, weighted runs created plus of 96, slightly below average, uh, excuse me, a 354 expected weighted on base, a 312 weighted on base, and as I said, that 197 BAPIP, uh, it's been a slog for him, especially lately. June's been a mess.
1: Yeah, although, if you look at the full scope of the season, a 96 weighted runs created plus with a slugging, 430 slugging is like... Not bad from your catcher. Oh, I realize the yeah. expectations are a lot higher, but, like, you see, like, the hand about Gary Sanchez right now amongst Yankee fans. Because, you know, when you're 43 and 18, you got to find something to complain about. <laughs> um, yeah, and fans <laughs> wish they had yeah, that problem. <laughs> exactly. The ire on, is on Gary Sanchez right now. Um, and I guess understandably, because, you know, people were thinking, oh, 40 home runs, looked like a superstar on the verge of, like, you know... A career kind of year, but it hasn't really worked out that way.
0: Yeah, we focused on the the 197 BAPIP because it's oddly low. There's a couple reasons you can have a lousy bap. The first one would be you're just making lousy contact. You know, if you're Billy Hamilton or el City's Escobar and you're just hitting these lazy ground balls, then you're probably not gonna have a high baby. That's not really the case for Sanchez. Last year he had a 43% hard hit rate. This year it's a 42% hard hit rate. Average exit velocity is down from 90.8 to 89.8, so slightly down, sure, enough to matter, not really. Uh, He's actually, this is not BABIP related, he's walking more, he's striking out a little bit more, but his walk rate is up from 7% to 12%. You'd think maybe it's the shift, for someone like Chris Davis, it's probably the shift, and Gary Sanchez is actually being shifted against more, 40%, up from 28%, but he has a 269 BABIP against the shift and a 160 against the not shift, so it's not that. Um, It's a little bit bad luck, right? So we can do an expected babbit based on exit velocity and launch angle. 265, still not great, but 67-point difference from his actual, uh, you know, 197. That is the 17th largest gap, uh, and it's the fifth largest gap just of right-handed hitters, so I'll buy, to some extent, some unfortunate outcomes. That that sort of thing happens. But I I think I figured out what it is uh, in addition to just him having had a really atrocious June. If you look at the difference between him Hitting the ball on the ground and hitting the ball in the air, it's massive. So, 233 hitters this year have had at least 50 line drives and fly balls. Sanchez has an exit velocity on uh, line drives and fly balls of 98.7 miles an hour. That's fourth. Joey Gallo, Giancarlo Stanton, J.D. Martinez, Sanchez is fourth, Aaron Judge is fifth. That is absolutely a leaderboard you want to be on that's healthy and that's great. When you put the ball on the ground, there's 205 hitters with 50 ground balls. He has an exit velocity of 84.5 miles an hour. 138th the gap between those two numbers is 14.2 miles an hour that is the largest in baseball he has a 0.082 babbip on ground balls that is the worst in baseball he has a 333 point difference between uh his 0.082 grounder babbip and his 412 liner fly ball BABIP. that's the third largest so you can see the problem is here don't hit the ball on the ground but but don't hit the ball on the ground poorly but i think it's too easy to look at this and say okay put the ball in the air, right? Start hitting fly balls. I think that might actually be his problem. I think he's trying so hard to hit the ball in the air that he's inadvertently creating terrible ground ball contact. He's never been strong on the ground, right? Like He's, he's a catcher. He's not that fast. wasn't fast in previous years either. Um, but really, if you, if you look at the progression of his season, his April was horrible, 295 on base. And then May, pretty good, 367 on base, 472 slugging. June so far, he's hitting 069, a 156 on base, a 103 slugging a 192 expected weighted on base that's not bad luck that is just bad so i guess the takeaway here is that uh, a he's incredibly streaky and b he does uh, not want to hit the ball on the ground because it's never going to end up with anything good but when he hits the ball in the air he's still finding success so i guess that's the gary sanchez story i'm sure it's more complicated than that but that's what the numbers I'm say i'm
1: sure and i'm i'm confident he will you know turn around i mean the yankees are getting or whatever 43 and 18th despite the the fact that sanchez has been pretty bad and um Giancarlo Stanton has been kind of way below expectations and they've gotten basically nothing from Greg Bird, but I guess that's what happens when you have two rookies come up and absolutely destroy the league.
0: And I, I don't have the number handy. I saw a tweet yesterday. Didi Gregorius, I believe, had like a 200, a 220 weighted runs created plus in April and a zero in May which I guess tells you the flaws of average, because when you average those things together, that's average. Didi Griss hit two hormones the other night. That segment was Making the Complex Simple, presented by Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. Rocket Mortgage is simple, so you can understand the details and get approved in as few as eight minutes. Apply simply, understand fully. Mortgage confidently at rocketmortgage.com. Based on a sample of Rocket Mortgage clients who met qualifying approval criteria and specific loan requirements at the time of application, results may vary. Equal housing lender, licensed in all 50 states. NMLSconsumeraccess.org, number 30. 30 now speaking of hard-hitting sluggers who have not really gotten off to a good start adam Duval, kind of in the same situation as gary sanchez hitting 187 272 on base 384 slugging 74 weighted runs created plus where 100 is league average now you might think to yourself well adam Duval got kind of a late start i think he's already 30 years old and maybe uh maybe that's just it for him i do not understand the numbers i'm about to present in any way whatsoever last year he had a 306 expected weighted on base and had a pretty, you know, league average season this year. He's got a 351 expected weighted on base. How in the world has he been this bad when all of the underlining metrics say he's been so much better? Uh, th- that's kind of where the conversation ends. I don't know. He's got a 73 point gap between his weighted on base and his expected third most behind Jason Kipnis, Victor Martinez. What is going on with Adam Duvall?
1: I have no idea. <laughs> and I also, I mean, this is like for a team like the Reds, in theory, he's like kind of a perfect guy they may want to, tra- theoretically, want to trade. And if his, you know, results were matching his performance people might be like oh adam duvall like he looks pretty good as a trade candidate and as we've seen with stack has defense numbers he's a very good
0: defensive left he's fielder underrated defensive outfielder you have a right-handed power hitter who's a good defensive outfielder there there are a lot of teams who could use a guy like that but i don't know what's happening here and what's really weird about this he's hitting the ball way way harder uh, last year he had a 32 percent hard hit rate This year is a 47% hard hit rate. That's a massive jump. That is the third largest in baseball of 220 guys who had 100 batted balls in both years. uh, Behind Oledmus Diaz, Eugenio Suarez, just ahead of Mitch Moreland. And Suarez is having a great year. Moreland's having a great year. Uh, If you look at his barrels, right? Barrels per batted ball last year, 9%. uh, This year, 14%. Ground ball rate is held steady. I did find this interesting. I don't really know what this means. He has the lowest opposite field percentage hit rate of any player. He's only hitting 12% of his batted balls to the opposite field. I don't know if that matters, though, because third on that list is Mookie Betts, who's been unbelievable. It's a really weird list, but maybe that tells you something about Adam Duvall. This is not going to be a satisfying conversation. We're not going to come away with this (laughs) saying, I know what's wrong with Adam Duvall. I don't. I just see a guy who's been good, who has terrible numbers, but the underlying metrics say something different. And I don't know. Maybe maybe one of our Cincinnati-based listeners... (laughs) can reach out to us and say no here's what's wrong it just it's fascinating to me that this has gone so poorly
1: if you have some uh you know hot adam duvall takes uh we would like to hear from you um hit us up on twitter
0: i did notice by the way he uh was awesome last year in the first half 363 weighted on base 282 in the second half so maybe there were some signs that we should have seen coming for adam duvall he was an all-star a couple years ago he was like a guy that actually was i think he was in the home run derby uh that sounds right they they got him in what the mike leak trade i think uh, that sounds about right. And he ended up being a, a pretty decent power hitter. He started at first base yesterday, I think, for the first time. Can't imagine that's going to happen too often with Joey Votto. No. We have finally gotten to the point of the show where Matt can talk about Max Muncy. And I know you're excited about this. I I, I know we're all excited about Max Muncy. Please take it away with your Max Muncy hot takes.
1: Um. Well, of course, obviously, the initials for me uh, are really what <laughs> draws me uh, <laughs> to Max Muncy. No, I mean, the the arc of his season and career thus far is so kind of weird that it took me a while to sort of notice what he was doing. And like, I'd see like, you know, you know, various like people on Twitter and such sort of commenting like, Oh, Max Muncy. And then I like sort of took the time to really start looking at what he's been doing since he got called up and it's crazy. So basically like he started last year. He was released by the A's in In spring spring training. The Dodgers picked him up minor league deal. Um, I don't even think he played the majors last year. No, he uh, did not. Did play my, all year in the minors? He had a nice year uh, in AAA. Hit uh, 309, 414, 491 uh, at Oklahoma City, 379 plate appearances. Okay, nice year. Dodgers are stacked. Max Muncie's not going to get a chance with the Dodgers. I mean, this team's got more depth than any team. There's no chance this guy sees the major leagues. Of course, the Dodgers get destroyed by injuries, nearly in <laughs> going. Um, Logan Forsythe goes on the DL in mid April. They call up Bravik. Uh, Brivik Valera Breivik who Breivik. they
0: actually traded for from St. Louis when he didn't make the Cardinals at the end of spring trading.
1: So they call him up, and they opt- send him back down a couple days later and call up Muncy from AAA. Muncy who was raking a AAA again, uh hitting 3.13, 4.21, 5.63 of course in only 38 plate appearances, but perhaps they saw something and lo and behold Max Muncy has been a literally literally among the best hitters in Major League Baseball since he came up. You don't believe me? I will present you with the facts uh raw numbers alone 277 395 631 with 13 hum- homers 631 <laughs> in, in 157 plate appearances so let's go to the stat cast cast metrics 314 players with 100 plate appearances or more he ranks fifth in expected weight on base behind mookie betts mike trout jd martinez and freddie freeman that's oh. good i <laughs> wish i had the homer simpson that's good <laughs> um Fifth in actual weighted on base. So it's not just a fluke. 424 behind those same four names. The top five in expected and actual weighted on base are the exact same five in the exact same order. And he's third um, in barrel rate. Uh, 12.7% of his plate appearances have resulted in a barrel behind Mookie Betts and J.D. Martinez. So this isn't just a fluke. He is hitting the ball extremely hard and performing about as well as, like, it, the performance reflects the, the results. Reflect the performance.
0: That's uh, that's that's impressive. <laughs> Listen, in, in the minors, uh, he was not really like a giant power guy, but he always seemed like he had uh, good play discipline. In the minors, almost twenty four hundred career plate appearances, a three eighty two on base. So you can't fake your way towards doing that. Obviously, that was a strength of his. Uh, couldn't break through with the A's. He had a couple of cups of coffee uh, a few years ago. Just never really happened. So far this year, uh, as you said, the uh, the Statcast metrics are really impressive. I'm really fascinated by the chase rate. 246 hitters this year with 150 plate appearances. That's the way I looked it up. The lowest chase rate, which means strikes on pitches outside the strike zone. Number one, Russell Martin. Number two, Aaron Hicks. Number three, uh, Alex Bregman. Number four, Joey Votto. Number five, Mike Trout. Number six, Max Muncie. That's a list. Over the last 30 days, Max Muncie has a 14.2% chase rate. That is the lowest in baseball for some comparison. Javi Baez has a 50% chase rate. And I believe uh, I believe Corey Dickerson has a 54% chase rate uh, leading all of baseball. Now, as you said, you and I both looked at this article by Jeff Sullivan on Fangraphs. Maybe somewhat of a swing change, lowering his hands, a bit more of a leg kick. But I don't think this is a massive J.D. Martinez, Justin Turner uh, kind of change in approach. I wonder if this is just a guy who... Got the right opportunity at the right time. You know, some guys take more time to break out. We've seen this happen before.
1: Yeah, and uh, what's really interesting too about Muncie, and this is what I why I really wanted to talk about about the, on the podcast is I I I was started doing some preliminary research on him, and I I saw that he was he was uh, picked in the uh, fifth round of the uh, 2012 draft. So I was curious. Whenever I see like guys, I'm always curious, like who was picked around him, like who like who else was available or like you know got taken in that round. So you go and. Click on the fifth round, go, go to baseball reference, click on the fifth round of the 2012 draft and sort it by war. Number one, Chris Taylor, who was uh, first originally drafted by the Mariners and is now on the Dodgers. And then you've got number two right there, Ross Stripling, who was drafted by the Dodgers. And then you go down a couple names, you got Malik Smith, Ty Black, and Max Muncie. So basically the three guys who are essentially saving the Dodgers right now, Stripling, Muncie, and Chris Taylor were all picked in the third, in the the, uh, the fifth round of the 2012 draft. I'm sorry,
0: I, I didn't hear Matt Kemp in there. Oh, sorry, Matt
1: Kemp. Sorry, forgot about <laughs> forgot about Matt Kemp. But it's just it's totally random. They got Chris Taylor from the Dodgers. What trade was that? That was some fleece from the Mariners and some fleece. Oh, yes, I remember that. The uh, one well. what's his the... That was Zach Lee. Zach Lee. Zach Lee,
0: who they bought away from LSU to play f- uh, football. Uh, play quarterback, made, I think, one terrible start for the Dodgers. And I remember it was here. I went to it, and uh, he, like, came in at the last second because Zach Greinke's wife was going into labor, I think it was. So Zach Lee made one terrible start, got traded to the Mariners, ended up at the Padres, made a couple of terrible starts. And as as far as I know, out of baseball right now, uh, all of the trades that Jerry Depoto has made, I imagine that's one he might like to have back. (laughs) So let's bring up a ridiculous comparison. And maybe it's not that ridiculous. Is Max Muncy, like, if you think about who you compare him to, and the first name that comes to mind to me is Matt Carpenter. Both Texas guys, they both went to Texas colleges, TCU for Carpenter, Baylor for Muncie. Carpenter, as we all know, didn't you know start being a successful major leaguer until uh, he was about 26 years old, Muncie's 27. I think it's fair to say they're both more known for their plate discipline, their line drive skills, and you know, elite raw power, both hit lefty, throw righty. Both play first base, second base, and third base. Muncy is now playing some second base uh, now that Justin Turner is healthy. I, I mean, those are some surface level comparisons, I guess, but that was the first name that came to mind for me. Well,
1: I'm going to go to the. I'm going to maybe throw a little cold water on it and throw throw a uh, throw a little quiz at you because I compared uh, Muncie to a mystery player through the first 45 games of his career. Another phenom through 45 games of his career. This player hit two sixty one, three 606 with 15 home runs. Through his first 168 play appearances, granted these aren't this is not Muncie's rookie year, so I'm putting this to you. This player, almost an identical line through uh, 45 games, a player, a left hand hitter from our childhood, burned fast and bright.
0: Oh my God, this is Kevin Moss. (laughs)
1: Yes, (laughs) (laughs) I don't want to hear that. (laughs) Uh, So I was like trying to think. I was like, I was trying to think in my head. I was like trying to go through other players who like were kind of late bloomers who had, like, ridiculous fast starts to their career. And the first two names that came to my mind were Shane Spencer and Benny Agbayani. But they're <laughs> right-handed hitters. And then I was like, oh, let me try and find a left-handed hitter. Your New York bias. Exactly. Totally my version. <laughs> <laughs> so I thought I was like, then a left-handed hitter. Oh, Kevin Moss. And sure enough, not just uh, similar, like virtually identical through 45 games to what Max Muncy is doing this year. But I, I'll admit, the, the Carpenter, uh, particularly when you get to the – uh the, the bats left, throws right, and the position versatility, um, even if he becomes a poor man's Matt Carpenter, that's a valuable player because Mar- Matt Carpenter at his peak was a star.
0: Yes, and as, as someone who has had some interest in the Dodgers, I'm certainly hoping for, Max Carpenter more than, for Matt Carpenter more than Kevin Moss, uh, who, by the way, I was at the game where he hit his third and fourth career home runs, and uh, Yankee Stadium went wild that day. Did not work out in the end. That is our show for this week, and uh, thank you to our listener who called us out for having a short show last week. We made it over 30 minutes this time. Thank you very much for your interest. This is the MLB.com StackCast podcast. We'll catch you next week.